tonight, there's those little mistakes that are not so great, but what about the big mistakes? We've got the biggest mistakes you're going to want to avoid with your 401k. You're listening to Simply Money tonight, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. It's true, right? There's, there's like little mistakes that we make along the way that are just kind of nuisances, right? Like, I, I wish I hadn't mm-hmm. done that, but everything turned out okay. When it comes to your 401k, which for most people is the number one way that they save for retirement, you make some big mistakes, it's going to make a huge difference. It can. It, well, let's put it this way. It's going to impact the rest of your life in retirement. Yeah. You, you know, so you might want to pay a little bit of attention. I, I mean, for most people, their, their 401k is either number one or number two on the largest percentage of their net worth. It, it's usually right up there with your house. The problem with your house is you can't eat the bricks, okay? You can't convert that into cash. That's what a 401k is for. And so many people look at their 401k as an afterthought. I don't understand this stuff. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm in it. I I think I'm fine. They really don't know what they're doing. And, and, you know, the number one thing you want to do with your 401k is make your contributions a habit. And and by habit, I I don't mean, okay, let's make sure I enroll and, yeah, it's set up automatically so it comes out of my uh, paycheck. Um, But know what percentage you're putting in. And I'll tell you what, you know, it's easy to say the more you put in, the better off you are. But, you know, if you don't get started early, you're going to have to take advantage of the catch-up provisions that much more later. So I I tell everybody, when you're young, 10% if you can swing it. Um, And if you're already in and you already have kids and money's gone 18 different directions, just be very, very deliberate about how much you're putting in and maybe even bump it up 1% a year until you get up to a level that's really starting to pay dividends. You made a point about 401ks at one point that I thought, oh my gosh, this is so on the money. It's worth repeating now. And you really? said, yeah, Moments well, of w- one time you they made this me. really great point and I think it's <laughs> worth repeating. You said most people spend more time planning their vacation yeah. than they do looking at their 401k. Well, think about it this way. You're doing the research on the restaurants, the hotel, what there is to do sure. in that area. You've it's got fun. flights, rental cars, all those yeah. things. But it's one time. That vacation yeah. is one and it's done and it's over. Meanwhile, that 401k is sitting there, in many cases neglected, and this is the number one vehicle you have to get into retirement. When you think about it that way, I think a lot of people are like, ah, I might revisit that 401k now. I, I see how important yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, planning for vacation is fun for most yeah. people. Planning their 401k allocations is not fun. You You know, they don't understand it. There's stress involved. You know, this is, and I call it financial literacy. It's not rocket science. It's, it's, it's not advanced calculus. Um, there, I could easily say if I figured, figured out most of this, anybody can, (laughs) but, but no, in all seriousness, really, you just need to get a few terms down and understand what they mean. Little concepts like stocks and bonds. What are they? Because if you don't put enough in to your 401k when you're young, you're going to have to do what a lot of people do, myself included, and you're going to have to save more later on in life and take advantage of the catch-up provisions. Luckily, the government has increased those catch-up provisions. And what that means is if you're under 50, you're maxed out of your own money at putting 22.5 into your 401k. Yep. If you're 50 or older, you can bump that up to 30 grand. And if you are way behind because life got in the way, that's something you want to start planning for for so that you can retire at the age you want to retire at. 
I've never seen the percentage, but I'm going to guess it's under 5% of, of people who straight out of college said, yes, like I'm going to put the max into that 401k at yeah. the age of 22, 23, whatever it was. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to max this thing out from here until the day I retire. Most of us, myself included, right? I mean, we do this show not because we're perfect with money, because we've learned no, a lot of lessons all. along yeah. the way when it comes to money. I wasn't serious about my 401k until my early 30s. Gosh, I wish I had been in my 20s. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so if you can, if you've got kids who are in college, high school, whatever it is that are maybe heading in this direction, maybe they've recently graduated, graduation season's coming up in just a few months. If you can make any point to them, it's, hey, the most that you can possibly put into that 401k now. I know it seems like retirement is a long ways away. The the magic power of compounding. To give it enough yeah. time, uh, decades in that account, you're going to be so much better off. And, and honestly, month after month, you're going to have to put far less in, right? Because mm -hmm. you started earlier. And I would say it, it has to be, and, and this is across the board, regardless of your age, please put enough money in that 401k to get the maximum company match. Oh, no question. No question. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac along with Amy Wagner, and we're talking about the big mistakes that too many people make in their 401k. Here's the one that drives me nuts, Amy. I will ask someone that walks in my door, so tell me how you're invested in your 401k. What are you invested in? And nine times out of 10, oh, I'm pretty sure I'm in mutual funds. That doesn't help me, and, and it sure doesn't help them, because a mutual fund is just a method of investing. That's like saying, I own real estate, as opposed to, so yeah, no one I've got says, some commercial properties. I'm 20% like bonds, and I've got Almost this nobody. mix of yeah. Yeah, some emerging markets, and these small caps, and these large caps. This is just a way of saying, I'm diversified, right? Yeah. And getting in there... Listen, and, and I think there's a there's a happy medium here. I'm not saying you need to be in that 401k looking at your investments and your balance on a daily or a weekly basis. Oh, you don't want to do that. You'll you'll make yourself yeah. insane. Yeah. But you know, quarterly, get in there, make sure yeah. that you know what's in there. And I'm not saying that quarterly you make adjustments, but at least you're familiar what's with what's in there. And for a lot of us, we've got those target date funds as yeah. an option. This is simply the target date is the target of when you want to retire. Say you want to retire in 2045, right? So you've got 20 plus years until you're going to retire. It's going to be a little more aggressively invested in stocks. It's called a glide yep. path over the years that glides toward a little safer investments, maybe a little safer toward bonds. For a lot of people, that's kind of the easy thing. I can kind of understand this, right? This is when mm -hmm. I want to retire. I would say, hey, if you're in your 20s, maybe early 30s, this is a fine investment for you. But when it becomes real money, when you're really starting to think about retirement, I think you've got to take a much more individualized approach because understand these target date funds, these are kind of one size fits all. If everybody yeah. who's 30 years old wants the same kind of retirement, same goals, hopes, dreams, same savings already, great. But that's not really the reality. And I'm not anti-target date no, funds or retirement uh, funds. Um, no, um, but I, I think they should be renamed, well, better than nothing funds. Yes. Because exactly. they are. In the old days, you, the default option was a money market, which would have killed you if you were doing that when interest rates were, were zero. Here's here's my biggest problem with target date funds. If you had a target date 2020 fund, um, chances are you uh, were almost 100% bonds. It depends 
depends on, on the fund family. But the whole idea is heavy stocks when you're young, go to bonds that are a lot safer when, when you're nearing retirement. Um, bonds weren't exactly the safe bet in 2022 they lost a lot of money so if you were you know ideally looking for a nice stable balance in the last year of your retirement you didn't get it in that type of fund now if you were in a 2040 fund you're still heavily in stocks and you know that's a whole different ball game but um just know what you're invested in know what percentage of your money is in stocks what percentage is in bonds and if you can break it down to domestic versus international on your stocks so much the better i i think the best thing is hire somebody to, to take a look at your 401k options and make sure you're using the best ones and that the percentage of allocation in various investment classes are what you're comfortable with i think that's about the best most well-spent money that you can use did you know uh, the average person switches jobs about a dozen times in a dozen times over the course of your life? I was actually yeah. going to try to count okay. up how many. I, I lose track of how many jobs I've had through the years. When you think well, about all the little media markets that you kind of jump through and move around through, but with each of those jobs, you probably had a 401k, and so you can understand it's really easy, first of all, to lose track of those 401ks, but also during a time like right now when you've got kind of the great red resignation going on yeah. and everyone's making the jump it's so important for you to understand how your 401k is vested meaning yeah. the balance that's in there right you look at that and you think oh that money is all mine well a little bit of that money could be behind a gate right that you yeah. might not have access to until you've worked there for a certain amount of time so at least you know oh maybe if i stay in this job six more months this part all of your money is your money all the money you put into your 401k yeah. is still yours but that company match kind of sometimes comes with strings attached and you want to make sure that you understand that and that's the vesting schedule i'm glad you made the point about your money is your money yes. because they nobody can take away the money you put into the plan okay the vesting schedule vesting just means the money that was given to you by your company when does that money that percentage actually become your money and the most the longest they can withhold that is six years so you'll see it on your statement just because it's on your statement doesn't mean it's yours it may be a six-year cliff vesting, which means not a dime of that is yours until you've worked for that company six years. They're kind of a dinosaur. I don't see many of those anymore. But if you happen to be in one of those plans and you leave it five years and 11 months, um, boy, you should have stuck around that extra month because you don't have any of that match. Well, and knowledge is power here. It's not yeah. necessarily that you are going to stay for six more years or five more years or whatever that is. My aunt retired last spring and she came to me with the same thing. She realized that part of that company match wasn't going to be fully vested unless she stayed for three more months. So we looked mm, at the amount okay. of money that she was going to get if she waited. And I said, okay, here it is in dollars and cents. Is it worth it for you to stick around for three more months? She was like, no, I'm mentally already out of there, <laughs> uh, you know, but at least she had she, un she, she yes. had the data. She That's had the data the to make the decision. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Another major no, no, we would say here is taking an early withdrawal. I think for many oh of goodness. us, because this is the big balance that we see, right? When that statement comes in the mail, you're like, oh, this is really starting to be something. And then all of a sudden, and I, and I know this personally, someone who had the ability to buy a, it was a, a used, really nice BMW and they took mm -hmm. the, they took the deposit out of a 401k. And I was like, no, no, yeah. too late, it, it, right? 
And I've heard so many rationalizations. Well, I'm borrowing it from, I'm paying myself back interest. Um, I can't bet on anybody that I feel more comfortable with than myself. Um, don't do it. Just don't do it. I, I visited a company that was going through um, early terminations. Uh, we had a contract with a, a group on the East Coast. And, and um, I would say two-thirds of the people had borrowed against their 401k. Mm. And guess what? When you lose your job, it's usually 30 days, maybe 90 days that you've got it's to pay back that balance. Time. Well, you didn't borrow the money because you got tons of money sitting in the bank. You borrowed the money because you needed to you for need whatever it. reason. Okay? And these people all had to come uh, to, to the realization that, okay, whatever my outstanding loan balance is that I can't pay back, that's considered a distribution that I'm taxed on, and if you're under 55 or, or it might be 59 and a half, but um, if it's an early withdrawal, 10% additional tax penalty. They got creamed, so don't do it. Just Another don't. big one, uh, if you've got the ability to put company stock, right, invest in company stock and not 401k, I'm talking to you, you P&Gers. I get it's a great company, but many of you yeah. also have so much company stock on the outside. It's You're getting your paycheck from there. You've got company stock from there, and then you're putting it into your 401k as well. We would say, hey, please remember, as good as any company is, you still have to be diversified. Yeah, watch how much you've got in your own company stock. Uh, um, and the government has... Has made it easy if you don't know what the deal is with your company plan find out through hr or your plan provider because chances are you probably can start to divest start to sell off some of that company stock within your plan and split it among the other investment choices and as long as it's all done within the plan without leaving the plan there shouldn't be any tax consequences Here's the all worth advice. Treat your 401k with a little bit of tender, loving care. It will definitely pay you back later in life. Coming up next, what you need to know about retirement once you hit your 50s or if you're already there. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. If you can't listen to our show, well, every single night, you're in luck. We've got a daily podcast. You can listen to it at any time. And if you've got a friend who you know maybe could use a little bit of extra money help, spread the word to them as well. All you've got to do, search Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up at 643, genetics and money. You might think they're not related, but they are. We'll tell you how. All right. So every stage of your life, and I know it's when you're in your 20s, it's hard to think about retirement, but every stage of your life should have some kind of piece of financial planning into everyone has goals regardless of how old mm -hmm. you are uh, and we really want to kind of drill down right now to hey if you're in your 50s or if you're coming up on your 50s or what you really need to be thinking about when you get there yeah, 50s are crunch time in financial planning. If you're like most people, you're just, you know, you're running around like crazy. You've been taking kids to, you know, soccer practice, baseball games. All the games. places, yes. Yeah, and, and spending money, you know, as fast as it comes in, it goes right out the door. And, you know, you just wake up one morning, and I'm speaking from experience, in your 50s and saying, crap, I wonder where I am financially and can I can I afford to retire at the age I want to retire? Because if you wait past your 50s, chances are you can't fix it. In your 50s, you can fix it. And that's why we want to talk about what you need to pay the most attention to when you're in your 50s. Start with your goal. 
Right. And if you and your spouse have not had this conversation, please, regardless of how old you are, how long you've been married, just throw it out there over dinner tonight or breakfast tomorrow or whatever. Hey, what's the ideal age do you think that you want to retire? See yeah, don't if you're say, even don't, on the same page. Don't, don't say I'm done at 60, but honey, I figure you're going to have to keep going until at least 65 <laughs> to make that work. And, and I have experienced that conversation oh, with people sitting in front of me. That's a fun conversation. Oh, oh, yeah, no, it's 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 not actually. But you know, here's why. And and you know, I, yeah, we do financial plans. I guess this comment is self-serving, but I don't I don't care who you use. When you're in your fifties, have somebody draw up a financial plan for you because again, this is the age where if you need fixing, you can fix it. And, and I'll give you a great example. Guy's become a friend of mine, but when I first met him, he worked at a company in a very high stress job. He was probably fifty four, fifty five, and he said. I'm out of here at 62. I, you can tell me I can afford it or I can't afford it. I don't care what you tell me. I'm out of here at 62. I can't handle this. And I ran a plan and I said, well, financially, I don't care where you work, but the numbers that I plugged in say you can't afford to retire at 62 if you're going to live past about 75. It looks like 66 is your best bet. But I'll tell you what, if you do this, and, and it was basic, it, it was just add more to your 401k, pay off debt by the time you retire. If you just do these basics, you might be able to improve this to come close to 62. And he buckled down. And mm. I'll tell you what, he made that work so that I actually walked in his office, I think on his 63rd, might have been 64th birthday, and, and said, hey, you can walk right out of this meeting and go to HR and tell him you're done because your plan finally works. Congratulations. And he didn't. He, he, he stayed hmm. there, but it was on his terms now. Yeah. He knew he could leave whenever he felt like it. Yeah. And he, he wound up feeling. working for another year or so. But he got the data and got the problem solved. And everybody in their 50s needs that answer. And one of the things I think you also need to know is how much do I need to spend, right? What, what do I live on? Yeah. Uh, you know, because you're not going to want to change your lifestyle drastically when you get to retirement. And I know while you're working and you're, you're dreaming and, and hoping and praying for that retirement date, you can easily say, well, I could cut back on this. But you're not really going to want to. So look at what your living expenses are now. People... I think, think that it's going to be cheaper in retirement. I don't know why that gets into so many people's heads. No, but no. First few years, think about, I always say this, do you spend more on weekdays or weekends when you have more more time available? Well, for me, I I shop and I you know do things with my family. We see movies, we travel, we do those kinds of things in the weekend. It costs more. Your free time ends up costing more. So plan for that. Yeah, life is for living. Yes. You don't want to go into retirement thinking, well, I need to cut back here, I need to cut back there. That's not what you work so hard for. Yeah. I had this conversation with a brother-in-law a few weeks ago, and he's, he's a very successful realtor, and he's 65 and keeps working and working, and he, he's kind of afraid to, to cut back. And, and you know, I, I take it for granted that everybody wants to enjoy life and, and do your planning based on what you want to do, not what you have to do. And, and that was like a light bulb going off for him. He said, I never heard that from anybody, that I shouldn't have to worry about cutting back. I should look at what's my income and can I afford in retirement? Mm. Will I have enough income to do everything I always dreamed of doing? Um, he never never had that conversation. I think everybody should. You might not be able to afford it, but at least you'll know what you can do if you know your expenses and you start tracking where your income is going to come from. A few other things I think worth considering in your 50s. How much can you, at least 
plan on getting from Social Security, right? Socialsecurity.gov. If you don't have that account set up, do it. Um, long-term care insurance. Start thinking about that. Um, and just mentally prepare because for so many of you, when you think about retirement, it's all about the money. But what are you going to do when those work friends aren't there or the meetings or the structure of your workday isn't there? I like the idea of taking a practice retirement. Look at that. Here's the all worth advice. The money choices you're making in your 50s can make or break the kind of life you're going to live in retirement. Here's a question for you. Do you know where every one of those old 401ks is? Did you totally maybe forget about one? This happens all the time, believe it or not. We're going to tell you how to find it next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Happens all the time, right? You leave one job, you go on to another one. I don't know, maybe another one after that. And then all of a sudden you realize, where's the 401k that I had with that job that I had two jobs ago or wherever it is? And is the company even still there? And who's even in charge of HR now, right? I mean, these, these old 401ks... I don't think most people think about it during the time because you're excited about jumping to that kind of new thing. Sure. Uh, but you have to be super intentional about taking care of those old 401ks as well. And there's a lot of them out there, Amy. The, the numbers to me are staggering. The estimate is over 24 million 401k plans have been completely forgotten. People yep. don't know that they exist. And the amount of money in those plans total over 1.3 trillion dollars it to me it's incredible but you know when you look at why this could happen you know at first i I was thinking you got to pay attention to your money for crying out loud you know you why why would you not know about it but i'll give you a local example a company in town was sold about four times over a 10-year period and one of those plans had a component that went into the that has the ability to go into their pension so this plan is is not called um, the original company's 401k plan it's changed names four times Gosh. and now it's online only you're not even getting statements so how you know even the employees that that have this money in the plan they're not sure that that money still exists never well, mind those are current employees think about exactly. if you worked there seven years ago or ten years ago or are you gonna you know the most recent or, name yeah yeah and, and, and I'm dealing with this right now kids are going through their deceased father's uh, estate and, and you know they're uncovering stuff they might not uncover a plan like this so yeah I, I definitely get why some of these plans are, are have been forgotten and, and the key is figure out how you can find this money if you're one of those impacted. And understand this, right? This is called the Economic Growth and Tax Relief Reconciliation Act of 2001. But essentially, if you had $5,000 or less in an old 401k, I mean, you think about it, if that went back to your 20s, that could actually be pretty substantial money, uh, you know, a couple decades down the road. But under that act, the old employer can roll that money into an IRA. Here's the problem. They're not calling Steve Sprovec and saying, hey, we're rolling this into an IRA. How would you like that money to be invested? (laughs) They are investing it usually in cash or money market accounts. So even when you find that money later on, assuming that you do after it's been rolled into that IRA, it is essentially decaying. 
It yeah. is not keeping up with inflation and, and everything else, and it's certainly probably not invested the way you would have. Hey, Amy, I, I know somebody that had this happen to him. It was about $1,000, and there was a $35 annual fee. So it goes into the IRA, pays, you know, bubkas for, for interest, and, and so it's going backwards by $35 a year, year after year after year. Uh, it, it almost went away after five, six years of, you know, forgetting that they had that money. It's, it's it, I the government tried to help but i don't think they figured out you know the the correct way to resolve that there's got to be some way for investors to go ahead and find this money a lot easier than we currently have you're listening to simply money tonight here on 55 krc as we talk about old 401ks do you have them i was actually just tallying up in my head i think i've worked for seven different companies at this point in my life <laughs> just can't and, keep a job can you <laughs> <laughs> you think about i started out in media and it's like you know you yeah. go from market to market bigger markets hopefully you grow i i worked at a, a smaller company for a while and anyway as you kind of go through you're thinking oh off of their 401ks with all of those old jobs that i had back in my 20s and 30s when i was kind of building a career, am I keeping track of all those? And to your point, there's databases out there where you can search kind of missing funds. Or I remember yeah. doing that several, several years ago and calling my uncle and saying like, hey, I think there's like an old life insurance policy or something that might have been in your name. Check this out. That doesn't exist, though, unfortunately, for these 401ks. So you have to do the due diligence on your end of tracking it down if that company no longer exists, right? If HR people have changed, it can be really, really difficult to figure out where is that money? It, it can be. And the Department of Labor is aware of this. They're working on it. But I, I'm not holding my breath on this. What, what yes, there's talk do, of a database. Exactly. And, 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 and they're trying to set that up where, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you can call up a, a Department of Labor 800 number and give them your birthday, your name, you know, maybe uh, you need to give them social security number um, and they could just, you know, check the database. Oh, yeah, you do have this plan. And here's the information you need to have this money transferred into your name or, or move it over into your IRA doesn't exist now i hope i hope they keep on it because we need that in the meantime what you can do is as you switch jobs think about that old 401k what makes the most sense many yeah. times you can roll it over maybe you wouldn't have otherwise but i think it's much easier to keep track of a couple of 401ks maybe one or two than it is if you've worked maybe six or seven jobs you know i know that when i um got married to my husband i was like wait a second you know when I mean, you're listing all of the i'm like there's like so many different accounts here can yeah. we can we simplify this it hurts my brain even to try to keep up with it and, it and to figure out what everything is invested in. Is this the right kind of investment for me at this stage of my life? So yeah, I think one of the great options here is to roll that money over again, if there's more than $5,000 in it, but that's an option for you. Yeah. If you want to simplify your life, just go through your old 401k plans and consider rolling it over uh, into an IRA. You might be worried about too many eggs in one basket. That really pertains more to the specific investments than it does the custodian. And, and what I mean by yeah. that is if you set up an IRA at a bank or brokerage firm or, or whatever the case is, you can roll multiple 401ks into that IRA rollover and, and diversify the investments internally. Okay, that, that's, that, to me, that's your diversification and your protection. Um, it's not a gimme that you always want to do a rollover. There's certainly other factors that you want to plug in, like expenses on whether or not you should roll that money over. But if your whole goal is to simplify life and not lose track of old plans, that's one of your options. 
Here's the Allworth advice. Lots of things can fall through the cracks when a big life event like a job change happens. Don't let your old 401k be one of those things. Coming up next, the role that, yes, genetics can play in your financial planning. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Mimi Wagner, along with Steve Spovak. Straight ahead, I love me some Warren Buffett. He is such a smart guy. The one thing he says you'll regret, if you don't make it a priority right now, you're going to want to stick around for, of course, what are always his very sage words of advice. You know, when you think of financial planning, of course, you think about money and retirement and investments. Do you ever think about the word genetics? Probably not. Yeah, but believe it or not, genetics plays into financial planning, and it and, does. You know, uh, it's 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 a little bit of a leap, but not a huge leap. And and uh, you know, there's a really interesting uh, article written by Dr. Jamie Sharp. He he's the chief medical officer at uh, Aetna, and, and he's developed something called the one two three four rule. And, and this this is interesting. And in, in his view. 10% of your health is determined by the quality of your health care. Good hospitals, good doctors versus bad. 20% from your genes. And I, I could vouch for that because I, you know, 50% Irish, 50% Hungarian. And, you know, here I have a heart bypass done at age 60. Hmm. Um, you know, that's definitely from the shallow end of the gene pool. I won't go into which side that is. But uh, 20% from your genes, 30% social environment. Um, you can literally, you know, through smoking, as an example, turn on cancer genes. And 40% of your health is determined by your behaviors. So let's take a hard look at that 20%. Cancers, right? Certain cancers, studies show, uh, have strong genetic components, and some don't. I can speak to this firsthand. There is a, a very strong history of breast cancer in my family. We've actually been through yeah. all of the genetic testing, uh, and we don't seem to have any of the known gene mutations. But if you talk mm -hmm. to anyone in the medical community, my mom, my aunt, my cousin, all of them in their 40s um, diagnosed with breast cancer, something's probably going on there. Uh, and, and what is the link to this? Because it sounds like a, a health segment, not a money segment. Well, first of all, knowledge is power. I say that all the time. I, because of this strong family history, had, had a prophylactic double mastectomy in my 30s mm. um, in order to say, okay, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to do this now. And, and my, my health insurance completely covered it because they knew from a money standpoint, they're either looking at a costly surgery one time only, or likely a future of chemo, radiation, yeah. surgeries, and all of those things. So, so I, I went ahead and, and, and got that knowledge, made the decision based on it, and that will hopefully add to the longevity of my life. So if, if there, as you're thinking about retirement planning, looking back at how long did my parents, my grandparents live? What kind of genetic conditions were there? Was there anything running through my family or not running through my family? That can play a role in what age you claim Social Security, uh, you know, how much yeah. you have in that retirement account. For most of us, I think now... At Allworth, we're looking at people living into their 90s. Is there any reason why you shouldn't expect to live in your 90s? If not, you need to be planning then for a retirement that's going to last that long, for funds that will last that long as well. Yeah, and, and, and this number shocks a lot of people, but in, in running a financial plan for a retiree, 
we budget, I, I mean, it totals out to about $380,000 yes. for healthcare expenses. And you don't think of that, you know, okay, I sign up for Medicare, I don't have to pay, you know, for health insurance, that, that's done automatically. And then I have to buy, yeah, that Medigap policy, 150 bucks a month or whatever it works out to. These numbers add up because there are still some out-of-pocket expenses. Those, you know, just those monthly expenses add up. And you want to talk inflation? You think eggs are going up rapidly in price? Take mm -hmm. a look at health costs, okay? So, yeah, this isn't necessarily a health segment. This is still a financial segment. But because of these other factors, your health expenses may wind up being a lot more than the average, and that's why it is so important to know what your history is and modify whatever behaviors you can. In my case, just start eating better. I, I mean, I, it was pretty simple. For Drop me. the nightly graters, Spravak. Oh, don't don't get radical on me here. <laughs> it's Let's too get much. Real. I'm but asking I, way too much there. But I'll give you a personal example on, on my case. Both my parents were two-pack-a-day smokers, okay? Yeah. Dad lived to 84 without any symptoms. Mom died at 50 from lung cancer. Uh, so guess what Steve didn't do? I never smoked. Smoke. Yeah. You know, I cut out, although I probably have enough secondhand smoke growing up that maybe uh -huh. it didn't matter all that much. But, you know, these are the things that make that that you need to know and make financial decisions later in life as a result. Um, if you know that your one of your parents died young of a heart attack, you want to modify behavior and you might want to go ahead and buy a permanent life insurance policy, even though we tend to tout term life insurance mm -hmm. that goes away at a certain point. So there are financial components based on your living and, and health history. And for a lot of people, you're just living, right? You don't know how great Aunt Bessie passed away or what age she is. But hey, the next time you're together with aunts, uncles, cousins, parents, siblings, whatever that looks like, bring this up, right? Yeah. Kind of just get an idea of, hey, is there anything kind of running through our family? Is there a trend? Is it, is it heart disease? Is there any kinds of cancers? Is there anything we need to be talking about? Anything we can be looking at? There are so many tests out there, so many kind of uh, preventative things that you can do. Um, but at least once you've got the knowledge, uh, you can make those decisions. And yeah, I think money decisions are part of that. 23andMe has become incredibly popular. Have you ever done one of these tests? No, no, never have. I haven't either, but I think it's interesting because what they're able to do now is not only break down your ancestry, um, but they can also kind of point out maybe potential health and health issues that could come from your yeah. ancestry. I don't know how much stock you put into it, but again, maybe something pops up on that that you say, huh, I'm going to bring this up to my doctor next yeah. time I'm in, right? Well, I, I've got a buddy who, who found out through 23andMe, he's uh, very highly likely to have a B12 vitamin deficiency. So, you know, there's a case where he's he's acknowledged it, he's treating it, and he's going to save a, probably a ton of money in the future on health expenses because he takes a supplement now that he didn't know he had to take. I, I yeah. mean, that's the financial component right there. Not just living longer, but spending less in retirement on your health costs. Yeah. Preventative medicine, yep. right? The preventative measures that you take are always going to be cheaper than when the thing comes later and it is actually full-blown diagnosis and then you have to deal with it then. Here's the all-worth advice. Getting a handle on predisposed health issues can help you with your financial planning process probably more than you would have ever imagined. Coming up next, words of wisdom from one of my favorite investors of all time, Warren Buffett. Stick around for this one. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. 
the greatest investor of all time. I don't know that everyone would be completely on the same page here, but I would bet, Steve, probably 90% of people when asked that question would say Warren Buffett. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the guy, the Oracle of Omaha. Yeah. He deserves it. You know, he's been doing this forever. I, I, Smart I think he's guy. In his, is he in his 90s now? Yes, yeah. But, you know, he's he is, besides one of the geniuses and, and you know, time-tested sage advisors and, and investors out there, um, he's got some pretty good advice on taking care of your mind and body also. This is the way he put this. And actually, it's funny because we were just talking about cars with our kids at, at the dinner table last night. He says, okay, this is Buffett saying, let's say I'm offering to buy you the car of your dreams, right? Pick any car you want. And, and after school today or after work today, it's going to be there in the parking lot. What would you say? You know, think about yeah. the car. My, my son would say a McLaren. My daughter would say a BMW, whatever it is, the, the coolest car that you could ever imagine. And then he says, but there's a caveat. This is the only car you're ever going to get in your entire life. Yeah. Do you still want that sports car? Yeah. Or are you maybe thinking, now you're starting to do Google searches, longevity. Maybe I'm thinking a Toyota. Maybe I'm thinking a Honda here, right? How can I get the most out of this car if it's the only one I'm ever going to get? And I think his point is, okay, if this were the only car you're ever going to get, um, yeah, you're going to want something uh, that you're going to super take care of. I mean, you're going to know that owner's manual inside and out. Um, you get a little ding on it. You're going to take care of that immediately. You're going to keep it waxed. You're you're going to keep regular that oil changes, regular like maintenance. New. Exactly, exactly. And and, and then and, and this is to me totally threw me because I didn't expect this direction. He then said, okay, by car I mean your body. Your yeah. body and your mind. Okay, you've got one body. You've got one mind that has to last you the rest of your life. Why aren't you taking care of your body the way you would take care of your car if you knew it was the only car you ever had? And, and I think and that's, when you put it that neat. way, yeah, when you yeah. put it that way, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should do more. And Good again, point. Yeah. we're talking about your health and taking care of your body, but there are so many money implications to this. You know, you were, you're talking about the fact that, you know, your parents both smoked so much, yeah. right? The, the medical bills that come with a diagnosis or being on oxygen and those kinds of things, right? One body, you've only got that. How are you going to take care of it? Now, here's the interesting thing. Turn this back on Buffett himself. We say he's a brilliant investor, but when you think of like the epitome of health, well, you might not think about Buffett. I mean, oh, he talks about... He talks about... He loves burgers. He loves yeah. Coke, you know? Doesn't he? Yeah. I think he's gone to McDonald's. At, for breakfast, like every day of his <laughs> life. Like you're thinking, okay, dude, like you're telling like me him. one body and here you're putting yeah. McDonald's into it the other day. Uh, he, actually, you're making a good point if you're thinking this. Well, there's a New Jersey nutritionist who actually wrote Buffett a letter and said like, hey, uh, you're a really <laughs> smart guy. We'd like to keep you around. So maybe you should like eat more healthy foods. Uh, and so he says, listen, don't worry about me. I've got a great doctor. I'm sure he does. And he says, it gave me some options, right? Cut back on the bad foods or exercise more. And I chose to exercise more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can relate to that. Exercise does reduce a lot of evils. I, I remember my dad had a, a doctor that was probably 350 pounds and smoked like a fiend. And he, he would tell he would tell my dad, you the need doctor? to cut... 
Yeah, and wow. he, he he would tell my this was back in the sixties. Yeah, you, you need to cut cut down on your intake and and stop smoking. And my dad had said, as soon as you do, doc, I'll do it. And and he outlived <laughs> the doctors. So yeah, what are you gonna do? Most of the time, though, when you see doctors, right, they they are usually healthy themselves. So so good advice. And, and back to Warren Buffett. I mean, this guy, he just makes some points that make you stop sometimes and say, oh. That makes a lot of sense, right? About how you diversify yeah. your investments. He said, look, I'm not jumping onto cryptocurrency because if I, if you can't explain it to me and I don't fully understand it, then I want no part of that. And let's face it, he's got a pretty strong history in making the right decisions. Thanks for listening tonight. You've been listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station.